influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 196 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, your two times a week social gathering of understated, morose and morbid motherfuckers. Uh, Your two times a week frolic through the fields of forlorn fables and fuckery. Uh, I'm your host, Aid Thompson, and it is my job to take that chemical imbalance in your brain, those spiking endorphin and serotonin levels and even them out with measures of melancholia Uh, if it's your first time joining welcome welcome pull up a pew grab yourself a beer and kick back as i spread my joy unto the world a quick bit of poddy admin if you will podmin perhaps uh we've got the live show coming up on the 28th of september that's at uh, the book club in shoreditch there's still a few tickets available for that if you want to catch me otto english ashley hayden uh, John left at the countryside. It's going to be a good time. Uh, you should click the link in the description if you want to grab a couple of tickets left uh, remaining for that. Um, frequent listeners of the show will know that I, I do a solo show once a week. Uh, that's usually out on a Tuesday or Wednesday. That's where I rip and roast and ridicule whatever's in the news that week. Uh, but then Friday nights, usually I, I get a guest on uh, and we grab a G&T, a craft ale, perhaps a sharp but satisfying daiquiri Um, we put the world to rights over its many many wrongs uh tonight i am super psyched to have her on please welcome to the show this week's guest uh women's rights activist published writer of byline times she's featured in the independent marie claire the evening standard please guys welcome to the show patsy goddamn stevenson thank you how you doing patsy i'm all right how are you Mm. Nursing a bit of a thick head, my first one for almost a month. So yeah, kind of you know, toing and froing between shame, kind of headachey, but like also, do you ever get like with hangovers? Do you ever get that sort of denial thing where you're like, I'm not hungover. I will be productive. I will. Yeah, it's yeah. a manifestation thing. If you if you if you think, listen, I'm going to be productive. Although I get that though. After I've had a hangover, because I've wasted a bit of time, I'm super productive afterwards. Yeah. Like just afterwards. Like, so, do you ever like start cleaning your house to kind of prove yeah. to yourself that you're not hungover? Like sometimes that's I do it. that. Yeah, that's the only time I do clean my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. So, um, thanks very much for for joining us us this week. Um, I was sort of scanning over your Twitter earlier. And, oh, good. Uh, well, I was sort of drawn to like I know that you've had some some dealings and you've written about the Met and uh, mm. and people will be familiar with you because of the Sarah Everard vigil and the photos of you that ended up on the front pages of a lot of different papers. Um, but more recently, like I was looking at your Twitter yesterday and I've seen some of your tweets before where you're like like exposing people to this sort of um this constant presence of like police cars outside your house and shit Mm. and i just wondered if maybe that would be a cool place to start because there's a lot to expand on with this sort of stuff like what is your relationship with the met right now um okay we can delve into it um i 
just want to preface with this was as well by saying that when I'm nervous, which I will be during this chat, but it's okay. fine. Um, I have ticks, so I will sniff and I will clear my throat and those are ticks um so anyone saying she needs a tissue it's not that i'm so sorry um that you have to listen to that um but yeah so yeah it happened it started <clears throat> obviously the vigil and and all that stuff um there's been incidences where i've noticed um you know police in my area and and certain little things um i try really hard to be optimistic and not paranoid about these things because right you know, you don't want to be. But when other activists have told you what they go through and what other people have been through and what activists go through with intimidation tactics and things like that from police, it's it's hard to put it all down to just paranoia and coincidences. Right. So, like, down my road, um, there was uh, a kid driving a motorbike. Um, I say kid, he was in his 20s, but, it, you know, I just thought, I'll. Oh, bless him he's like talk he's got pulled over by police um listen he wasn't wearing a helmet so he should like do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. he's doing something a bit dodgy but it's none of my business I I don't care if someone's done something wrong or not what I'm I'm worried about is I don't think anyone you know who's they're they're you know if they're as long as they're not doing something really dangerous but I think no one should be beaten up or thrown to the ground there's certain things you know that police shouldn't do yeah so I thought well just in case I'm just going to give them a solicitor number that's it that's the whole thing so I went over and I said you're right guys um I'm really sorry but I I personally don't really trust police so I'm just going to give him a solicitor number because I know police can like arrest you for no reason sometimes or other things you know I'm just making sure he's all right that was it mm. as I started to walk away the policeman was like, well, we don't arrest no one for someone for no reason. I turned, I was like, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> um, but I was just like, I don't know how to say this in like a polite way, but I felt like the adrenaline rush into me already. And I was like, fuck's sake, here we go. So I was like, well, some of you do sometimes. And he went, well, no, we don't, not for no reason. I said, I'm guessing you don't know who I am then. And he was like, no. And I thought in my head, I thought, what a pretentious thing for me to say as well. Like, oh, <laughs> Don't you know who I am? Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, God. But I just said, well, I was arrested at Sarah Everard Vigil, you know, for no reason. I'm suing the police because of that. Um, and he just went, all right, like that. And I was nearly in tears. And again, that sounds so like every time I say something like this or tell a story, so the amount of people like that never happened that didn't happen and it's right. like okay well, what do you want me to do carry a gopro with me everywhere um and then i did film it and people are still saying like oh actually it's like this and like that um so after that happened i i keep seeing a police car parked down my road yeah literally like to, like i'll come out of my house and it's right in front so i can see it immediately after i leave my house and i just thought you know one time mm, two times bit weird three times this is getting a bit odd in the space of like two weeks um then it happened again i started taking pictures of it as well and posting it on twitter just in case um and i'm just like maybe it's you know in my head i'm thinking maybe it's the house there's something going on at that house that he's parked right outside and i don't know something i'm hoping it's something else why would i want police to be intimidating me why would that yeah be so yeah because i suppose like the the, the pushback that you might get from people, and I'm, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here to some extent, is that 
if you are exposed to some of the outright crimes, but also just shitty conduct, and you're aware of things like the spy cops scandal, which if, if people are listening to this and they haven't read up on the spy cops stuff that happened in the Met, fucking go and read that book by the two Guardian journos because it's fucking terrifying. But if, if you're aware of all of this stuff, it's going to make you more on edge. And so then when you see a police car there or like a officer down the road, you're going to maybe look for patterns where they might not actually exist. But because you've been traumatized to some extent, it's going to feel more uh, visceral, more volatile to you is is how I imagine people would push back on you when you say that stuff. So what what do you say to people when they say that stuff? I can understand because you should question things online mm. and and that's you know that's always been my stance and everything um but I think you have to this is the big thing that I'm I'm actually going to write about this one day there's there's a big but what if so that's what I always think so okay let's say for example they're not doing anything they're just parked outside but what if they are actually trying to intimidate me that could be really dangerous for me mm. so all I'm doing is sharing it on Twitter saying this has happened. There is a police car here. I'm not saying they're doing this because of that. It's intimidation. It's all I say is this police car is outside my house right now. Mm. I'm a bit scared um, or I'm worried about intimidation. Have but you, I never. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, <laughs> have you gone up to them and like knocked on the window? I, I appreciate no, that. Might That itself might be terrifying, right? But yeah, like it would be interesting to just, you know, rat -a tat tat like guys i've seen you outside my house like they would just yeah but they'd say oh we're just here for this or i mean that they can make something up so i think it's all it is is i'm just trying to keep myself um protected by yeah. posting things on twitter and i'm not trying to stir up stuff do you know what i mean and, and i know that people will think that i am but there's nothing really you can do if you're posting a controversial opinion or something like that on Twitter, you are going to get hounded no matter what it is. Mm. Um, even if, like, I think it was, I mean, now his family's got done for something. But he, you remember, was it Tommy, the little old veteran? who oh, was yeah, doing yeah. Uncle walks. Tom. Is that right? Yeah, and he, he was getting death threats. Yeah. He's nearly dead. What are you sending him death threats for? He's nearly gone. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I think so he's dark. passed away now, bless him. But it's... yeah just you know it doesn't matter what you do you're always going to get and it's it's good to an extent but i don't think people should be nasty about it but i think yeah um and then yesterday was it yesterday guys all my days are blurring into one but i, I i'd been in hospital for a good few days like in and out in and out like non-stop um mainly because i don't do needles i really can't hack needles i've got a phobia uh which is also something else I want to mention later on. But, um, okay. but yeah, so they wanted to do an IV and keep me in, and I couldn't because I'm scared of needles, so I had to go home and then come back early in the morning, things like that. And then it just been absolute days of it, and I was so tired. And then I came out, and I was walking to the place where I get an Uber from, mm. and this guy, this police guy, he was driving past me. I think he he started like in front of me, drove past me. I just didn't make eye contact. I was like, fuck's sake. I was like, I already knew. I felt like this is, something's going to happen. Then he's come back around the same stretch of road and stared at me. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, for God's sake. I like rolled my eyes. And he probably saw that and thought, yep, yeah, let's get her, you know. Yeah. Um, but then he came back again and he stopped and he just went, excuse me, have you got any ID? And I just thought... That's not really how to start it. Like, 
maybe if he'd stopped the car, got out of the vehicle and maybe said, Hiya, I'm really sorry to bother you. Um, you know, we're looking for someone that matches your description. I just need to know if you're X person. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I would have been like, that's not me. You know, I I I feel weird about giving police my name. Um because on the off chance that they know my name, because mm. sometimes people don't recognise me in person, but the name Patsy Stevenson is like a, you know, uh, some police know that I talk about what they do. Mm. Um, so I just didn't want to give it over, and you don't have to give over your name. So I wasn't trying to be, yeah, difficult. Horrible, do you know what yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, like you know, if you're doing your job, you're doing your job. Um, but I also know that there are times when like rookie cops like um you know new new cops um are told to do these little initiation things where they're like they have to go and talk to this person or whatever and it sounds silly it really sounds silly but there's all sorts of things that go on in the police and if a policeman asks my name I do not have to give it mm. and that's as simple as if I'm not being detained I do not have to give my details over um so it's just you know we don't live in a police state so there's something you, you tapped into a minute ago that I think is worth expanding on, which is uh, where you were saying that the kid ran the corner from your place and then you were giving him the solicitor's number kind of thing. Uh, and you were like, you know, if he's not wearing a helmet or if somebody's doing something illegal, like you can kind of understand that they would stop them. But but that that kind of interaction that the police have with the public, like it doesn't always have to be grabbing them, slamming them down on the floor or like violently pushing them up against a wall which is yeah. a thing like i've always wondered why like i understand if it's a, a a volatile situation the person is a violent offender um you don't know if they're holding a knife or so you know i understand in that context it might be yeah. necessary to very quickly physically restrain someone but i've never really understood why police officers have to be so fucking rough with like yeah it, do you know what i mean i do but i think to be honest um and this is just coming from my experience of talking to ex-police officers and spending two and a half years non-stop mm. researching the stuff and talking to people who have been in it and sort of exposing it. Um, also reading the book, I got sent the Spy Cops book right. as well. Like I've, I've, you know, and so, yeah, I, I think that they need to assert a sort a certain amount of authority to get people to comply with them. And I'm not saying this that I agree with what they do. Um, but to do that, many people, I've experienced it in my life. I'm sure you have another. Uh, if you talk to someone and they are trying to assert their authority, they don't have authority. If they can't get that control and that power, they will resort to violence or physical means. Mm. Um, and that doesn't always happen. But I think that is what happens the majority of the time. I think that the police um, in general is very attractive to a certain type of person who would want a certain amount of power. And mm. again, not all the time. I know, you know, certain people that have gone into the police thinking, I'm going to change things. And listen, if you can, you can. Fantastic. But people have been trying for decades. Mm. I don't know what makes you any different from those people, you know. Um, I always wondered if like, and it, it's going to sound really snobby of me now probably, but I always wondered if you would attract a better calibre of police officer like, it's not great money, right? If you're a trainee or, like, brand new rookie copper, it's mm. somewhere in the 20s, isn't it? It's, like, 28K or 25K. Yeah. Maybe 35 in London. I don't know how you're paying your rent 
on 35k if you've got you know a partner at home with a kid and and all that stuff like it's shit money yeah um and i just wonder like does that then mm. like because you you're paying so little you're competing against people who are going for jobs in and again like i'm not <laughs> i'm not disparaging people who work in like supermarkets or you know retail or you know like minimum wage job like there's a lot of people who work really fucking hard in those roles i'm just thinking is there something around that that like if you're not paying enough to make it an attractive role for this person to exit that industry to come <clears throat> into the police force you're kind of left with like do you know what i yeah. mean i think that's like scratching the surface mm. so there's like you know with the pay thing i mean imagine if you've got you know someone who wants to abuse people mm. and they go into the police they're gonna go into it for 20k if you if you're giving them 40k they're still going to go into it so those people will still be in that force and i think the issue that we've got is that because the police is so close to the criminal justice system a lot of them i say a lot of them you know from what we've seen in the casey report and and all this evidence that has been shown a lot of police officers have racist tendencies they're misogynistic transphobic homophobic so when that's in the system and all of the people who are at the top as well, you mm. know, they, they all comply with it. They all allow it. It's, it's a boys club. That's what happens on a day to day. Um, and if you don't comply, you can get harassed and abused as well and bullied yourself. Um, you know, I don't think it's about the money. I think but the money wouldn't make a big difference. Really? Cause I, I feel yeah. like, I, like I hear what you're saying in terms of you know this this person who is you know let's say is this prospective or potential aspiring officer is a misogynist and homophobic anyway and he's mm. going to apply to join the police force whether it's paying 20k or 40k but if you're paying 40k you have more candidates to choose from right because more people would be willing to work like they would they would look at a 40k role and go like fuck i'm languishing on like 22 over here like i'll be a policeman for 40k so you would be able to go okay not him whereas i think the situation they're in at the moment because it's such shit money they have to hold on to the officers that they've got which is why we see like what you'll know the stats on this i'm sure but it's like 500 officers that are currently suspended or some shit I but, think it was a thousand actually, but it's it? yeah, it's, it's a lot. But um, the problem is, like Mark, I met Mark Rowley the other day. Oh my god! Um, like my friend ran over to hear the conversation when I shook hands with him as well. Yeah. Um, I was trying to be nice, and you know, but I just said, "Listen, we're watching. Sort of like there are eyes on you. I hope that you keep your promises. Please do what you're saying you're gonna do." Mm. He like asked me for a favor. He was like, "Could you do me a favor?" And I was like, "What is going? You know, I'm suing you guys, right? Like, I don't know what to say." Um, and he was like, "Oh, well, we're trying to get it so that we can fire police like that if we need to. Okay, and we need loud voices like yours talking about it, put the pressure on." And I'm like, "Why is it my fucking problem? Right? That's your job. You are being paid to do. I don't have. I have two pounds in my savings account. I don't have the means to be talking about that all the time. I've got other things to talk about, Mark." you know yeah. um but i'm you know it's hard but it's what it is imagine okay they do have a pool of whoever they want to pick to be in the police force who are the people picking they are racist right. and so it's the people at the top that are yeah. choosing people 
not in the greatest way. They're not vetting them correctly. So, okay, say they choose people that seem really upbeat and happy and lovely and and not misogynistic, not racist. They've done all their training. Wayne Cousins, and I've not said his name in a long time, but he was married with children. Mm -hmm. Do you think his wife knew what he was like, really? Maybe she had an inkling. I don't know. I can't say. But people can hide themselves very well. If you're going into a job, you can hide those bits of yourself. The problem is that the signs that we see aren't being taken seriously enough by the police. So when they say misogynistic things or these little tiny things, they're not being picked up on. But when you're in a, a role that is for the responsibility of taking care of the public, you have you should be, you know, completely open minded mm. and able to delegate and able to, um, you know, converse properly and not resort to violence and and not be racist or homophobic or sexist. And I think, to be honest, you know, one of the things that I think would solve it for me is if they maybe i'm you know i think about degrees like if they had a law degree or something but even that i don't think would work i think what's problematic is that um we have it in society when it's in the police force those people you know that come from society that's already misogynistic and racist it breeds in the police force it's allowed in the police force mark rowley did say you know he wants to be able to fire them people but I don't know. I get a weird vibe from Mark himself, you know? I don't know why they would be restricted in fire. I mean, some of the stuff that we're talking about here is like gross misconduct level shit. And I've worked in like (laughs) HR departments. Like if you say something misogynistic or racist or homophobic, you can be fired like fucking that. Like HR departments don't fuck around when they think that somebody is... um, having having their rights taken away from them or they're being um isolated or bullied or like they'll haul you into a fucking room i've sat in these rooms where they interview the person they go like did you say this on the 17th of january this Mm. is what he or she says that you said how do you respond to like you document the whole thing in minutes and then you know in a, a week or two the verdict comes back and you're fucking out and in that time you've been suspended like you're off <laughs> so this yeah. idea that you could have like misogynistic um domestic abusery uh sexist violent types racists in the met and then somebody reports it and then it's you know mark mark rowley's up there going like god i just wish there was something we could do it's like the fuck it is yeah and that do you know what i have a theory about it but again i hate sounding like a conspiracy theorist but you know if you look at these um systems a lot of the police laws and and things like that you you've got a lot of fines there's a lot of things that especially if you can get arrested as well if you get arrested um you can get out on bail or there's there's other things that you can do a lot of these things revolve around money um and i've read a book and spoken to someone about this where they say well the police came into they they were made in the 1800s, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was a time where we didn't have police. Um, and, it you know, people can say, well, crime was rife. Crime's rife now. Um, but, it, you know, they are very reactive. But <clears throat> when the police were created, they were created to be coercive and control the public for the rich. Right, yeah. So when you've got politicians who are also homophobic, racist, sexists, 
you know, not all of them as well, we know, but a lot of them. Um, and you've got the rich, the, the upper class, are usually homophobic and racist and misogynistic. <laughs> so when we've got those systems at the top, yeah. it all falls under capitalism anyway. But when we've got all of those and the police are there to protect them, if the police were against racism, do you think they're going to protect certain people at the top who have got a lot of money? I don't know. Yeah. It's just the theory that I've got where I just think that maybe the reason that then they don't really give a shit is because they're being paid a lot of money to do other things that we don't know about. Mm. Um, and it sounds so conspiracy theory, but well, you look at Boris Johnson's parties, do you know what I mean? I was just about to say, I mean, you say conspiracy theory, it's it's conspiracy fact, really, in, mm -hmm. in terms of their sluggish reaction to Partygate. Like, they could have investigated that way earlier. They dragged their feet. I remember um, the Good Law Project putting a tweet out saying, like, you know, it's no longer up for debate whether mm. or not the Met do or do not want to investigate the parties that were clearly at that stage happening and had happened and had broken laws. Yeah. That, that debate was done. He was like, um, he said, you know, the question now is like, why don't they want to? What mm. What is it that's withholding? Fuck, what was her name? The head of the Met at that time originally. Cressida Dick. That's it, Cressida Dick. Um, yeah. You know, why was this close proximity to power of Cressida Dick manifesting as yeah we, you know it, it, what was the, the fucking reason that they came out it was absolutely ridiculous it was like yeah we can't we're not going to investigate retrospective crimes it's like are you fucking joking yeah like, that's it's so ridiculous there's so many like working class people throwing their hands up at that it's ridiculous you know yeah. um and yeah shout out to joe morgan because he's the one that he runs the good law project he's amazing um but yeah um when like i know this this woman who like said to the police, she reported to the police that she was being stalked and harassed by her landlord. Mm. And the police decided to investigate her and found an old speeding ticket or something and put her in jail for six months. Wow. And didn't didn't do anything about her landlord. So who the was the, issue was the landlord like connected? Was who was he? This is the thing. It it happens all the time. There are so many people who know people. Yeah. And I've heard I've heard people say, because I I often pretend, not pretend, but I, you know, if I'm around right wing people or certain people that just really disagree with my views, I'll just sit and listen. I'm not gonna say anything. I just want to listen to them. And sometimes I'll just agree with certain aspects to see what they'll say. And they tell me the most outrageous things. I've been told before, um, you know, there was someone that said, oh, I'm close to the police. Like, my cousin's a police officer. So, it, you know, it's not going to do any damage to me. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Um, even uh, Dickie Arbiter, he's like the Queen's, was the Queen's sideman or whatever, like her spokesperson, something. He was very close to her. Right. And we were in, like, the Jeremy Carl green room. And he, because... I was like, oh, I'm an activist. And he went, oh, you're not one of those. Da, da, da. And I went, oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm a peaceful activist, you know. I was like, oh, for God's sake. Like, I don't want to be stuck in a green room with someone having a go at me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said that uh, activists should be shot with water cannons. And I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, those bloody activists <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh, God, I need to get out of it. Um, and then he went out of the blue through, through no prompting at all, said, God, these bloody minority groups get away with everything these days. And I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> Do you need to sit down? Like, what is going on? Number one, 
false, incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and number two, do you just feel like telling me stuff today, Dickie? Like I don't understand. I mean, yeah, like there's there's giving someone the rope to hang themselves with, and then there's just <laughs> like stand, standing back, like front row seat for you to embarrass yourself. Crack on. Yeah, it's uh, True. yeah, I, it a lot. Yeah, I I heard on the grapevine. Uh, there is a a prominent Daily Mail journalist who goes backstage, like into the green room, and like on on camera in front of everyone when there's an audience there and terrestrial viewers and everything, he's just he'll say anything under any of your right wing hot takes or talking points. Oh, the NHS is bad. Oh, we should get rid of the BBC. All all of the cliches. Mm-hmm. Tick tick tick. And then catch him in the green room. He'll freely admit. He'll be like, oh, I don't believe any of that shit. Like I you know I just say you know it's good TV. It's good TV. Like, I'm like, somebody needs to fucking do an expose and record these guys or like hot mic them or something to just broadcast to the world exactly what like what these people are signing up to when they subscribe to this ideology that even the people who fucking say it don't believe. It's like GB, GB News does that. So that's like, oh, that was the time. I don't want to mention his name, but I was on a show yeah. where he wanted to, you know, be loud and aggressive or whatever he basically i go on this show sometimes because i think well maybe i'll change someone's opinion in the audience i don't know and sometimes they just end up shouting like i remember petronella wyatt and i can't remember his name but they were both sat next to each other and they're just like shouting at each other and i'm just there like was that the one am i here i posted a picture of my face like yeah yeah i fucking loved it because it's like it was a real sort of um you know, like in American sitcoms where like a, a character will just like turn and like Jim. look at the camera, like an office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just like. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like, why am I here? Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, I mean, it's hard because number one, I want to change people's minds. Number two, I have donated a lot of the money I got from those shows to charities for <laughs> for trans rights, which I'm sure they'll be really pleased about. Um, but after the, you know, argument, mm. you know, the the presenter will often go like when the camera's cut he's like patsy did you not want to join in on on the argument you should give it some and i'm like i i don't want to like i Mm. just want to talk about it because i'm pretty sure i could get my point across by talking i don't need to shout at people do you know what i mean yeah once but that was an an abortion rally (laughs) but it's like I guess, like, I can see the desire, like, the pull to make it, like, good TV, make it entertaining. Have, like, when when Gemma Forte talks about this, she sort of uses the old air quote. She's like, have a debate. (laughs) Like, where you, yeah, you're screaming at each other. But I also think, like, there's so fucking much of that stuff now. Every other, like, you know, mid-morning show or Sky News segment or GB News thing is, like, you know a left-wing guy with a little bow tie and then a right-wing mouthpiece and they'll argue with each... You know, it's like it's so fucking done and baked. I honestly feel like the freshest thing now, if you wanted to put out some truly, like, enticing, stimulating content, would be to just have a fucking conversation. (laughs) Yeah, so annoying. Yeah, but there's... I mean, it's all polarised as well. That's what I don't like nowadays is, um, you know... I can post anything and there's always either this comment or this comment. There's mm. no in between. It's either, oh my God, those pe- like those police are fucked and they shouldn't be harassing you, which I appreciate. Thank you very much for those. But then there's the other side of like, what did I, I got a DM saying, 
your name's just as ugly as your face and your your this and the attention seeker. I'm like, bro, I've heard that all from my family since I was like two. You don't need <laughs> I'm not phrased by that stuff. But it's you know, it's just so polarized where it's yeah. like there's no in-between of like, oh, so what happened here? Okay, let's pick it all apart. And I've written a whole thread about what's happened and people are just not listening. They're throwing either one comment or the other. And there's just yeah, there's no talking about it ever. So yeah, it's like a sort of the the Twitterification of British politics, isn't it? I don't even think it will get like a lot of people write when when they talk about Twitter or they talk about this Threads thing or Blue Sky or like they're like, well, is this going to fix the political discourse then? Because you know Twitter has dominated it and created such division and echo chambers, and I'm like, mm-hmm. nothing is going to fix this. Things that like you're talking about, like, oh, how do we dig ourselves out of this? Hole? The hole's just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. It's going to get so bad. Like, I think as well, though, there's this is one thing that I wanted to touch on. So, like, I um, I got in trouble the other day for posting something, and uh, I think I put it in the group chat, but I was just like, um, I was very tired. And sometimes that's the thing is like, you'll post something, you'll be like, ah, oh, fuck's sake, why have I done that? Um, Because it's very hard to be so in the public eye sometimes and be a human being who Mm. has faults and things will happen, you know, and mistakes will be made. And I think um, I think if if the people who are trying to do some good in the world and try to and they're trying to, you know, fight for what's right and, and things like that be on the right side of history, if those people are arguing amongst themselves the people at the top are just laughing at us because they don't care. They're all like united. But I think assuming is a big thing. So for example, I did like a tweet ages ago where I spoke about the Amber Heard case, uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And I said, you know, someone's come in and diagnosed her with BPD. And I'm not sure if that's correct, but you know, people with BPD aren't crazy or whatever. That's not a thing. Um, And so I was sticking up for people with BPD and someone just said you need to take this down immediately it's offensive to people with bpd and i was like i don't think it is i'm just trying to stick up for people with bpd she was like as someone with bpd i know it's offensive take it down immediately and so i was pushed to the point where i had to come out and say i have bpd too so i know it's not offensive please fuck off she just put okay and so (laughs) you've forced me to come out with my mental health condition that I didn't really want to be out about yet anyway. Um, And it's like things like that or like people when I first... I like like the immediate like row back of it though. It's it's like, this is offensive, take it down. No. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that this is, I'm offended by this. So you have to, actually I suffer from it myself. Okay then, bye. But the thing is, as well, I left out. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not going to have a go at you now. But I think it's the assuming, um, like I said, when I first went viral, like, people assumed that I was middle class, which is a fucking laugh because I've, I've never seen anything more than a grand in my bank account, I'll tell you now. But it's like, it's never happened. That's never been a thing. They assumed that I was straight as well when I'm really, I'm so gay. I'm so gay. Like I've had boyfriends. Yeah. I'm queer. I'll, I'll date whoever. Do you know what I mean? It, for me, it's about personality. Um, That's actually the first time I've spoken about it on a podcast or anything like that. There you but go. I, Exclusive. There you go. Yeah. I just, I like personality. So if you've got a good personality, although looking at my exes, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, um, but I don't think 
you should assume things about people when they're trying to stick up for the right things. Yeah. So many people are like, she's fucking this, she's a that. It's like, do you know that stuff about me? Or, you know, like people calling me attention seeker. It's like, I've had the attention. I don't need any more attention. Trust me. Like, it's yeah. not a thing. Yeah. Well, also, it's sort of like when people say attention seeker, it kind of it's like a catch all term as though you shouldn't be able to have a quiet life or some sense of privacy or respect mm -hmm. just because you may have stood up behind a podium uh, speaking about women's rights or about abortion or, you know, it's like it's a very simplistic way of looking at things and it's only fueled by the desire to attack. It's not fueled by a desire to get to a place of enlightenment or agree on something or you know yeah it's kind of sad but it, but also i imagine a lot of the shit that you get is just from you know it's not with a uh, uh a desire to understand you better or to uh or, or from a place of principle where they don't agree with this specific thing that you said um it's more to do with you being a symbol of left of center politics equality um so they're gonna come at you about literally everything i imagine yeah and i think that is just a thing it's also a misogynistic thing i think a lot of women i know Gemma and um marina perkis have experienced tan experienced it you know certain women in the public eye will experience it a lot heavier than um than men sometimes but yeah tan I and i Tan and I were talking about this yesterday about like, I mean, obviously she's got a way more significant following than I do. But I was like, some of the stuff that you say that you get a load of shit for, I could say that and it, I would not hear anything. Like, and I know that sounds like it's exaggerating or something, but it's like, I've said things that are fucking a hundred times worse than, <laughs> than the worst stuff that Tan comes out and no one says shit. I don't get any shit. It's just like... You know, I got the worst comment I've had in the last six months was somebody on my YouTube the other day going like, well, there's 55 minutes that I won't get back. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, you you did, you literally sat through every one of the 55, like, okay. But, um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, there's no comparison. It's like, if you are female and you come out in support of a particular political leaning or cause mm -hmm. you will be destroyed or or at least that will be the aspiration right try don't they um but i i mean that's the thing is i think um like i i said before i try and see everything with like a silver lining so when the stuff with the vigil happened oh oh did i get like every single platform was filled inboxes with death threats and like the worst kind of messages like really explicitly explaining what they wanted to do to me and things like that mm -hmm. um and just being all over the world I was thinking like the New York Times and stuff but people were like harassing me like it was non-stop mm -hmm. um so to go through that and have the childhood that I've had as well I feel like there's not too much that people can say that's going to affect me anymore which doesn't make it right but you know I don't know. I, I've yeah. heard that, you know, she's a ginger bitch. I've heard it. Do you know what I mean? I might get it as a tattoo. Like, it's cool. I don't I don't mind, you know? It's not yeah. going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something to be said, I think, for... Uh, and I've said this to Tan as well. For, like, the, the barbs that you get thrown or the names that you get called, if you can disarm that person by making that name or like your joke if you can like reappropriate whatever the joke is 
into like a meme or like your own joke then it's like you've killed them with kindness but or like killed them with comedy or something i don't know yeah oh that's the one that i used to use i remember because the thing is if someone's a troll for me or being horrible to me i'm happy to have a conversation with them mm. i'm not gonna dismiss anything and i'm not gonna say names back because i don't insult people I, I don't i think i called one person a twazic the other day that was about it twazic. Because, wow yeah but this is a funny insult do you <laughs> know what i mean like, <laughs> i was gonna say yeah calm down that's it yeah that's it. <laughs> um but my my favorite one is when someone really like i don't know they're like you're a fucking this blah blah, blah bitch i i ask them i say do you drink tea and immediately they're like, what do you mean? Do I drink tea? I'm like, do you drink tea? And they're like, well, yeah, why? I'm like, go sit the kettle on, <laughs> go make yourself a cup of tea and come back to Twitter and we can have a conversation. Just yeah, calm so. down. And they do. And do you know what? I've I've had so many conversations with trolls on Twitter where they start talking to me and I say, okay, why do you think that? Why do you think this? And we go through a whole thing and I've screenshotted the amount of apologies I've had, which yeah. bless them. But I do understand that sometimes it comes from a certain amount of not being educated through no fault of their own. You know, there's there's the system's fucked right now. Do you know what I mean? So people aren't getting the right education or not having time because they're having to work all the time, not having time to research things for themselves, having to watch shit TV and news that tells us what to think. You know, so I get it. If people don't fully understand what's going on or will assume things or will have been told things. So I'm happy to have a conversation with those people and say, okay, here's what it really is. And here's the facts and the evidence for you. So it's not just me talking out my ass and saying, well, I think police are shit. I'm genuinely trying to make things better. And I really feel for people as well that, you know, that do go into the police and really try to make things work. It's not going to work. I'm really, really sorry that it won't. And I, I, you know, I really do applaud the people who are in the police and are doing the best they can, but there's so few of them mm. that it's that we can't trust the police right now, you know. And and I really do hope those people stand up for us as you know we are one, you yeah. know. There's such parallels, isn't there? And I think you touched on it earlier between uh, the Metropolitan Police and uh, Parliament. Like, it yeah. feels like people go into Parliament with the best of intentions. And Ian Dunt has written about this uh, much more eloquently than I could ever uh, re-articulate. But um, people go into Parliament with the best of intentions. They want to change things. They've got their constituents' interests at heart or, you know, whatever their causes are that they're aligned with. And then they just get caught up in the apparatus of it, in the machinations of what it takes to hold on to that seat to secure funding from your party to get a good office in Westminster to not yeah. alienate yourself from people at the head table who are going to make or break your career um and then before you know the next election after they've been elected in they're already compromised they're all like and that's why you end up with these fucking chances in cabinet willing to say shameless untruths just to protect this career that they've built up i guess through a sort of like you know sunk cost fallacy they're like well it can't all be for nothing you know i'm i'm here at the cabinet i'll just keep going um, it's not even that as well i mean when I've, I've been into parliament god knows how many times and i used to go in with um this mp who mm. i met at a, a talk i'm not going to mention their name because they're under investigation right now Boom. so this is what i'm saying so for the past like two years i've been going into parliament with this mp talking to people you know 
they introduced me to other MPs as well. Angela Rayner, I've had a few chats, you know, just going in there and chatting and having <clears throat> having that experience. And because people kept asking me to be an MP, so I kind of wanted to see what it was like, if I'm honest. Um, then I would be in this MP's office and I've heard bribes. Wow. So, yeah, so, you know, they were on a conversation about something and they said well if you do this for us we can we can help you out massively and he said oh I can't do that right now I can't really discuss that right now and he said no no I can financially we can help you and I'm like oh sh- this is really happening yeah. um, and that person that I thought was a very good person I don't know whether the allegations are true but apparently they have been suspended for potential allegations against them I don't know whether they I think they are sexual harassment allegations but I'm not 100% sure being a woman's rights activist that's very you know it's scary that I didn't pick up on anything as well do you mean so I don't know and then yeah I've, I've spoken to other MPs that are like you know they're just so tired and apathetic because they, they've been trying so hard and they get nowhere mm. that's the problem is the the good people who want to make a difference end up getting nowhere um, that sounds really horrible to say, but a lot of the time they end up getting nowhere um, and becoming very apathetic and not being able to do much. Um, once in a while, we get an absolute belt of comfort, you know, like Nadia Whittam, Zara Soltana. Some of these are just absolute, they're just going, going, going. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how they do it. Um, but do you, think, do you think Zara Soltana will stick it out? Because it feels <clears throat> to me like in an era where Amari Black, for example, um has entered politics and already checked out like before she's i don't think she's even 30 um and but on the news agency the other night they were saying like yeah just tired fed up nothing changes you try like you you attend every single one of the votes that you're supposed to and you vote the right way in people's interests not in the interest of donors and every single time it's like a door slamming in your face nothing changes there's no margin for uh, for affecting change and they just get fed up and then resign and I just wonder if somebody as idealistic as Azara Zoltana is likely to to follow a similar path you know I don't know I mean I I hope she does stick it out because I think we need people like her and Nadia and especially young women mm. especially young women women of color um who really like they know they know stuff that other people don't they know how certain systems work and I just think that we need them. But at the same time, it's their labour that they're putting into it mm. and if they're not getting anything out, that's really not fair at all. It's on it's on the lowest scale of fair, you know, like I just don't think, oh, I don't know. I've got so many things that I want to do in the realm of politics that might mess things up <laughs> that sounds so bad but there's things that I'm always trying to do because I'm always aware of like certain people that want to get into politics that feel like they can't or certain people who are trying to elicit change and they can't because they don't have a certain platform or the money to or things like that and I'm trying to do something to change that at the moment but this world I mean England the UK under capitalism under a Tory austerity it it's a Poorly. I don't even know how we're still here, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's just a crushing environment, isn't it, for anyone who actually wants to improve things? Because I suppose by the nature of it being like a capitalist 
uh, country that we that we live in, all the money, all the self-interest, all the billionaires sort of fall on the right and start buying policy uh, <clears throat> off the, the well, hopefully until next year, off this sort of long-term Tory administration. And it's mm. just ev- with every year that they're in power, it's just another like crushing like downward pressure on anyone that wants to get into politics for the right reasons because like i mean who realistically that comes from a working class background who's working you know six days a week in audi maybe with a couple of kids who's got the fucking time to go like yeah yeah i might check out i might like i might run to be an mp (laughs) for five weeks next summer or you know like real people with real lives and real problems don't have the financial bandwidth to take that kind of hit and go, yeah, can I just have a sabbatical, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's one of the problems is, like you said, the billionaires that exist. I think, you know, again, people that are on the left or people that want to do good and people that care about working class people who are working class people, who have been working class people, mm. they most of the time won't be billionaires because, again, education... Um, they haven't ta- been taught how money works properly um, or they just can't get out of that system of having to work nonstop mm. just to survive. Um, but I think there is a place for, you know, people uh, who are like that, who who should be billionaires, in my opinion, because like in a sense that they shouldn't stay billionaires because I don't think anyone should be a billionaire. But like for me, for example, if I ever became a billionaire, I feel like I'd save and save and, and invest and do all the, you know, the money stuff that you're meant to do, get to be a billionaire and then just spread the wealth and make everyone all right again, you know? Yeah. But again, even that wouldn't bloody work anyway because it, it, just, it just wouldn't work. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but people would just lobby to to put in a different like a, a clause within their new policy that that made your wealth that you were good enough to like yeah. distribute out it would make it sort of slant towards the wealthier uh districts or you know the way that sunak was saying last he was recorded in the leadership race at a hustings ba- basically bragging uh that he had allocated fucking like leveling up money to richmond or some shit he was like well you know we tried to look after the uh the affluent shire kind of you know consti- it's like are you actually you're at you're admitting that for real he's so far removed it is insane i don't know how someone with that amount of money can be in charge of a country where one in six people are dying of starvation yeah that doesn't make any sense i'm sorry but he could give out of his pocket if he gave everyone like i don't know a couple of hundred quid or a grand or something you'd help so many people yeah so many people but it's the stupidity that gets me like he must understand that he comes off as a well-educated slightly plummy rich guy fucking rich the richest prime minister we've ever had in the i mean people sometimes wrongly say he's a billionaire i think he's somewhere around like five to seven hundred million his net worth but the optics of being that person and then donating 50 grand, which in his realm is not that much money, I know. But the mm-hmm. optics I'm talking about is like donating 50 grand to a private school, to a, a tech college or some shit in America, while yeah. constituency mm-hmm. secondary schools are like asking, begging parents, like, would you mind like donating some stationery? We've run out of bog roll. Please, can mm-hmm. you help us? It's like, how can you be so fucking tone deaf? 
as a prime minister. Yeah. You know, they just don't care. They don't care about the working class. Yeah, that's as simple as it is, isn't it? Like no one seems to give a shit about the working class, and I think it's getting worse and worse. The the disparity between working class and an upper class is so big now. Yeah. So it's, you know. This is what I mean, though, Patsy, is like when I say like things are going to get so bad, like I think you can push people into corners a little mm. bit and then you can do it a little bit more and then you can fob them off with some headlines that blames trans people or immigrants or whatever and sometimes they'll gobble that up and go oh yeah yeah it's all so the trans kids in schools and it's the dinghies and stuff and mm. uh, but eventually you're going to push them too far where they've been asking for help for so long they've been warning about their rent doubling they've been scared about their energy bills and social care homes that are overflowing like can't take any more people in. you can keep pushing and keep pushing and eventually that shit's going to fucking snap and people will riot and it's going to be violent and bloody and this is a really dark note to end on <laughs> but that's uh, why they put in the protesting band so yeah, they know it's coming. They people, do know. People won't fucking take any notice of it. Like, if you've got nothing left to lose, I think that's the missing thing here, is they think that if they... that, that people won't riot or protest because mm. they'll be worried about, you know, if they're out, if they're jailed for something, they might lose their house while they're being bailed, or you know, something like mm. that. People who have already lost their house and mm. live in a tent now or a car... You know, it's like the I've got nothing left to lose sort of thing, isn't it? Like, mm. people will just not give a shit. They will go and riot. It's going to be a Molotov party in Whitehall. Not yeah. that I'm inciting. No, uh, no, we're definitely not inciting. No. But it would be a real shame if, you know, if someone was currently creating something of a safety net for those people that wanted to riot and protest. That that would be, oh, the poor government. What would they have to do then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave on. Let's try and leave on a on, on an up note, an up note, an yeah. upbeat note. Um, so we talked a lot about you know the Mets, bit about Parliament. Um, what about if we just like we'll just park Patsy Stevenson, the political activist personality over here, and yeah. instead we get to know Patsy Stevenson, the person, a little bit better. So are you ready? I've got some. I remember. <laughs> I've got some quick fire questions for you here. Remember, okay. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Uh, what song is on your Spotify or Apple Music right now? What song? Oh, God. Let's have a look. Oh, God, I don't know what it is. Hold on. <laughs> Please be Agadoo. Please be Agadoo. I think it's Blur. Oh, oh. no. It's, it's not. It's How Soon Is Now by The Smiths. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, okay. What's the last thing you said that you really wish you hadn't? Oh, um, oh God, there's so many. Um, oh, fuck. Hmm. Oh, God, there's so uh I messaged my ex. <laughs> Way! After, like, years. Yeah, that's not good. Can we Can we delve? Can I muckrake? We, and... we can a little bit. Yeah, it's my ex. That well, actually, I'll... I'll tell you what. You don't have to tell me word yeah. for word. Just tell me what time of day or night you sent this text. Oh, it was a sober text. Oh, and okay. Was, yeah, yeah, daytime. Oh, listen, I'll go out. I'm not, like, a. am not shy about that stuff. Uh, and I said, hope you're doing well. And that was it because, yeah. That's nice. Big... Made a big mistake with that one, but that was years and years and years ago. We dated like ages ago. If anyone's thinking it's them, it's probably not. <laughs> okay, okay, good. And well, they they would know if it's them because they would have received a text. Or they not, right? would know, yeah. Okay. Uh, what episode of your life or night out or whatever 
What episode would you donate to a box set entitled Times I Was a Massive Fucking Bellend? Oh my God, like early 20s. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. So I, I used to drink heavily and I was just a little shit. Really? I was a little shit. I was awful. I'm so sorry to anyone that met me in that time. I was really? really I can't yeah. imagine you as like, what, like proper tearaway. I wasn't nasty or anything, but I, I was a bit, anno- I was very annoying. I was, you know, oh God. I just, I'd do anything for a pint and just like, that sounds rude, but I mean like, <laughs> I was just a little nightmare. Like I was partying nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. I feel like everyone does that. Like, I was, I wasn't that rowdy, I don't think. I think because I grew up in Southend-on-Sea, and it's a very small town, everyone knows each other. Right. So, but there's a lot of rumours going around about stuff that I've done. Half of them rumours are not true. But there is stuff that I have done that's like, what is she doing? You know, like, (laughs) what what have I done? But it is what it is. It's It's all right. It's like. A, it's going to make some amusing pages in your autobiography, which I'm sure you'll get around to doing. Uh, And B, it's like, you know, if you don't do that stuff in your 20s, when the fuck are you going to do it? Like, that's the big years, right? I mean, I don't drink that much anymore. I've got this cute little Halloween mug because I love, I'm obsessed with horror movies and Halloween. So um, that's all I have. Um, But I I only drink tea, really, or water. Um, And I I rarely drink, apart from a Tuesday quiz night, but... Yeah. Let your hair down. Cool. Well, Patsy Stevenson, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Guys, give her a follow on Twitter if you are not following Patsy already. I'm sure you are. Um, I'll be back on probably Tuesday, Wednesday next week for the solo show. Until then, keep it strictly hashtag Binfluencer, strictly hashtag Booge, and I'll catch up with all of you soon. We out.